Hello everyone, welcome to Game Junk Prototype, episode 79, recording on Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. My name is Frank. My name is Sean. And my name is Andrew. And uh, a light week, we'll be talking about some news featuring Konami rumors, a couple developer acquisitions, might be handing this one off to Sean, he's really passionate about these topics. <laughs> Very passionate. I would like to talk free guy, but you're going to have to tune in to film junk for that one because uh let's just say it was getting heated before the show might get heated you might be able to heat sean's pool with my passion (laughs) that's that's building against free guy it might be a new alternative energy source but uh should we get into it just get into the news let's get into it oh you know i'll try it i'll try it sean you might have to fill in some blanks here because yeah, I'm not that up well, on it, but uh, apparently, I thought it was official, but rumors that Konami are now working on a Silent Hill, Castlevania, and Metal Gear game. Is that correct? Is that the big three? That's the big three. I mean, I guess they're saying, so yes, it is a rumor, but you know, we've been hearing stuff like this for a while. It just kind of keeps intensifying and seeming more likely. Uh, but I guess the thing is that they may not be working on all of these directly themselves. Like they may be outsourcing them in some way. Uh, they say they are working on some kind of new Castlevania game. Not a lot of details on that. There was talk this week that there's a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake in the works from uh, the developers called Virtuos. I don't know. I think they worked on... Like Microsoft will be acquiring them next week. (laughs) (laughs) I think they worked on Switch ports for a couple games, and then I think uh, I can't remember. Oh, um, Jedi Fallen Order. I think they were like a support studio for that. A few other things. So you know, not super well known studio, but apparently they're working on this Metal Gear Solid Three remake. I don't know if that's an exciting proposition for people. Do you guys have thoughts on that as being? Like, obviously, we worked at Silicon Knights where uh, the original Metal Gear Solid was remade with the Metal Gear Solid 2 engine. Was that the now, first major 3D remake? Like, I know there was Super Mario All-Stars and stuff like that that were remakes, but I, I can't think of another 3D remake. Were you a pioneer, Sean? Were you part of a, a revolution? I don't know. I mean, it was definitely like, you know... It was one of the first where, you know, you're going from PS1, which, you know, trying to play those those kind of early 3D games are pretty rough. So then trying to bring them to like a modern. I think it's the first. Was it before Resident Evil Zero or Resident Evil One on GameCube? I think it was. I think so. Hmm. Probably like around the same time, though. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad it happened because I love remasters and remakes. They're amazing. Well, but that's my question, though. Like that, so that makes a lot of sense because obviously, as I said, going back to the PS1 games, it's, it's tough now. But something like MGS3. Hot take. We, MGS3, to me, might be the worst Metal Gear. Like the, It was in this weird intermediate phase from what I remember, especially when it first came out on PlayStation 3. The Snake Eater versions and other stuff improved upon it. But like the way you had to use the camera to see if you were camouflaged, like it got rid of the vision cones on the enemies. And the the idea of the camouflage was like the big mechanic. And it was tough to tell like if someone could see you, if you were camouflaged. Uh, it was not as satisfying or, you know, the feedback mechanisms were not as strong as traditional Metal Gear games. It improved with like a bit of camera articulation. Like you couldn't get first person camera or like, I don't know, the camera sucked. That's all I remember. But I mean, it's an okay game. I think maybe with quality of life improvements, it could be better. So I guess I'm kind of excited for that, but um, I don't know. I, I don't really care about that. I guess it's interesting that I think how long ago was it that Konami shut down all their franchises and were just making arcade games or something like that and mobile games. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's been a few years now for sure. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was after 
Lords of Shadow 2 or around then, I think. Yeah, and I mean, so it sounds like I think this report was kind of hinting that they're get they're ready to get back into consoles a bit, although maybe not directly. Um, so that could be a good thing. I mean, well, let's, what's their stock been doing? Let's see that Konami stock. Well, I was just going to mention they just launched uh, eFootball, which apparently did not go so well. I don't know. Oh. Did you check that out at all, Huck? No, I don't even know where I can check it out. Because it's free to play, but yeah, I'm not sure if it's PC only or... I have not heard anything about it, though I have been kind of tuned out of all podcasts and everything this past week or two, so, so I haven't heard anything about it. It looks like around... It was pretty high up until, you know, 2003 or maybe 2002, and then it took a big dip, and it's been going up, actually, so I'm kind of surprised. I thought that they were... Probably like just putting this out there to bump up stock price, thinking like this is probably what they should be making anyway and how they made money to begin with. But I don't know how people make money. So it's clearly not just about making good games. <laughs> so it looks like eFootball is out for a bunch of consoles. Uh, it says PS5 and Series X, but I'm not seeing if there is actually a PS5 and Sean, you said, I don't know if you said on the show yet that Kojima was rumored to be working on. Yeah, so this was another thing that came out. I don't know if it was direct. Like, there was a bunch of stories that were all kind of connected, but I don't know if they all came from the same source. I feel like they were all different sources. Uh, but this one was that, um, yeah, just that there's this rumor, and obviously this has kind of been around already, but just that Kojima Productions is working on a Silent Hill game specifically for PS5. Sony is currently titled abandoned. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's that whole thing too, but, uh, uh, Sony's apparently partially funding it. And the part of the report was that, you know, when Kojima and Konami kind of broke up, Sony's been slowly kind of trying to patch that up and be the middleman. And, and I don't know if it's working. They're they're probably just trying to work the license with Sony and let him do his thing. And maybe, yeah get some kind of creative control and access to the license, which would fall in line with maybe how they're approaching all these games as like, just, okay, we own the IP, go make us a good version, game developers. And well, I mean, that's what they did with Kojima with Lords of Shadow, right? It was like kind of a Kojima production and like he helped with that game. I didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty sure. We talked about the Castlevania Lords of Shadow. I'm almost positive Kojima was involved in that. Hmm. Yeah, Kojima Productions. Huh. I must say, though, it's not surprising that uh, Konami is outsourcing these jobs. Like they, I, I don't think they have any development studios other than whatever team works on the soccer. Um, so I'm not surprised. It doesn't really surprise me that they're using these licenses that they have. Why would they just let them sit dormant? When they could basically just say, here, go make something, yeah. and then we'll take whatever, 20% or 50% or And if it whatever, sucks, we'll you, cancel it, or whatever, we'll keep it yeah. and make the money. <laughs> like, Yeah, seems like a smart business decision to have someone do something with it. I mean, at this point, it's not like you can devalue those franchises much, right? They haven't been out for a while. Anything that's moderately good, I'm sure people want, or they'll be excited about, so... Uh, they were, it might've been overkill at one point. So I don't know. I, I'm excited, yeah. but I, I think the move would be to make a new 2d Castlevania, uh, for the switch and other consoles after this Castlevania advanced collection. I think that would be a shorter development time and something people would want really bad and, uh, start to work your way up from there. That'd be the first thing I'd release. That would be cool. I think they did say Castlevania was like in terms of timeline the first one on the list, even though it's kind of the one we've heard the least. I about, didn't know so. that you heard it here first, so it seems <laughs> pretty obvious yeah. to me. Metroid Dread is probably going to sell a lot of copies, and I think just like they copied Metroid to begin with, they'll copy it again. Metroid yeah. likes for the win. And I guess just on the Silent Hill thing, there was also going back to the summer i don't know if we talked about this but blue bloober team did sign some kind of deal with konami 
and everybody was assuming they were working on a Silent Hill game, but that was never confirmed. Bloober? So, yeah, Bloober. What did they make so, again? Uh, Blair Witch Project and okay. Medium. So I, I don't know if that's like it sounds like if that if the Kojima is doing the Silent Hill thing, then maybe they are working on something completely different. But not sure. I could see Bloober working on maybe a Silent Hill remake of the first Silent Hill, while Kojima works on his vision of Silent Hill, maybe inspired by PT and maybe a first person version that looks something like Abandoned. Could be. <laughs> I mean, exactly like a bit on the abandoned thing. uh, Did anyone check out the actual app that they released? It actually launched. I thought it got delayed a bunch of times. And no, it actually launched. And and so this was a couple months ago, and I haven't checked back. But when it originally launched, I downloaded the app. You go into the app, and there's a trailer that plays. One trailer, one single trailer. And it was the most ridiculous, like it was like 10 seconds of somebody walking. And then it just said, more coming soon. And it, and that's when I was like, okay, this has got to be some kind of joke or some kind of clever viral marketing. Because like, who, who in the It wasn't right even a playable trailer? The irony. <laughs> yeah. WT, like, watchable trailer. And like, I haven't really been following it since, so I don't know. I'm sure this has been debunked to some degree already, but like, it's just crazy that they put out this special app on PlayStation just to watch trailers for their game. And then the trailers don't layer nothing. Is it still there? Like, is there reviews on the PlayStation store? I don't know. Good question. I'm going to look that up. Well, uh, so let's get into the other brief news items that Sean uh, wanted to bring up, which I'm thankful for because I really haven't been paying attention this week. But I did hear <laughs> yeah. that uh, the Oxen Free Developers, what's the name of that studio? Uh, Night School Studio, I think. Night School, School yeah. uh, were acquired for, by Netflix to, to work That's on right. games for their platform, along with them launching games for Android on their Android app in, uh, was it Europe, Sean? Yeah, I think Poland, I want to say Germany, and one other country, I think, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so, well, we talked a while back, just kind of speculated, like, what, you know, everybody's saying, okay, Netflix is getting into games. What does that look like? What kind of games could Netflix possibly be doing? And we, I think we kind of all agreed that it would they would be probably simple kind of mobile style games whether they actually were mobile games or something you could play on your tv at home i'm not sure but uh this seems like a pretty good indication of that that's kind of what they're doing uh the three games that they soft launched if i can find it here they're called shooting hoops teeter up and card blast (laughs) so i mean i haven't tried them but they definitely seem like they're just casual games i believe they are uh, on the Android app only, and there's like a new tab on the Netflix Android app that for games, and that's where you can find these. And I think they also added the Stranger Things games that they already did. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at, which is not that exciting. But then the Oxen Free Studio acquisition is a little more exciting. I mean, I I didn't finish Oxen Free. I, I would like to finish it, but from what I played of it, I kind of liked it. But it is very much a simple story driven narrative based game which makes a lot of sense i think for netflix yeah i think it's it's interesting that they would go out and acquire i would say a pretty well-known studio to make that is only going to put out a game maybe every two to three years unless they are planning on ramping them up even more um but it seems like for something like netflix you'd want more content more often uh, if you're going to ramp up this gaming sector. So maybe there is more acquisitions coming, but it does seem also a little strange that like the games you mentioned obviously seem like touch device only. And I would, I would, I'm wondering how much of their audience is touch device versus TV and obviously with like Apple TV, you have that Siri remote that has a little touchpad, but with Netflix, it can play on any TV. You don't know what 
sort of device or what you know what the remote can do necessarily uh you could probably make certain assumptions about what the buttons can do but definitely not a touch pad of any type so you can't really do any like mouse cursor type things there might be phone uh, so, integration if you're on the same network where like it like you can touch okay. things on your like a almost a jackbox type situation or something like that could work okay could have yeah. party yeah, I mean, party movies where you watch a movie as a group or a story an interactive story and people vote on choices I mean, I would think of it that I'd be hiring the Oxenfree developers to create a uh, like a system for content that other content creators and storytellers can fill um, with lots of options so that, you know, it's kind of uh, a way of, like you said, they, they probably need lots of different versions and games to ship. So can we build mechanisms for gameplay design that work on netflix maybe do some of our own and an engine for netflix so to speak that we can give to other people to fill in mm-hmm. would be my yeah guess. that makes sense yeah yeah and just a couple other quick points so they did say that um oxen free 2 is not affected by this that's still you know under development will come out on other platforms it's not a netflix game um and, uh, yeah, I guess I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about it from the point of view of like night school being acquired by Netflix. Like what, if you're, if you're a game studio and Netflix comes to you and says, Hey, we want to acquire you. I mean, what are you thinking? Right? Like, is that <laughs> show me the money? What do you think? Like it's, that's it. That's all yeah, it's about. But, but I mean, it's also like a bit of a risk, right? Like you, you're going to be known as the Netflix game company. Like you, you Sean, pr- never. If, if as long as they have one established thing, like they're, I think it's the best situation for a company like that because as long as you somewhat trust Netflix, that's where the 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 risk comes into play. But I think Netflix has proven to somewhat be at least you know in support of content and content creators, right? Like they they tend to give, to, in my opinion, sometimes too much artistic liberty to uh, to people that are making stuff for their platform. So worst case scenario. The the Netflix stuff sucks. No one plays it. And then they get to do a marketing thing where we're having night school make games again and everyone is happy and they love it. So <laughs> it's it's a win-win. And unless they literally hate their lives working for Netflix, it's it's a great move. Well, well that's yeah. the risk. That's the risk you got to run because people can easily leave. It's not like you're locking in these people. Like they probably have some sort of thing where the founders are locked in for a certain amount of years or some sort of non-compete for a certain amount of years. But everyone else that works at that studio could just up and leave right away if they wanted to. So that's the risky thing about acquiring a studio is that, okay, you get the IP, but you're also kind of hoping that the people who work there stick around to keep making those games that you're, you know, you're buying them for. And I think it's, I think it's, you could compare it to the uh, Ready at Dawn and their acquisition with Facebook. But the difference there is that Facebook has Oculus Quest and like Quest 2 and stuff. And that's what they were focusing on. They were focusing on pure VR. So you have a VR company saying, hey, come make VR company games for our VR thing, right? Whereas this is like, hey, we're a movie streaming app. Come make games for our movie streaming app and take away your games from gaming consoles. Like it's a little weird. Um, yeah. Must've been, must been a good amount of money. I, I would say. Yeah. Obviously the money is a big factor and, and I'm sure, you know, they're a smaller indie studio and just to know that they've got that kind of backing is huge and, and probably big exposure, right? Like everyone's got Netflix. So whatever game you make, people are going to have access to it, which is great. But then you just got to think, like, what kinds of games are we making here? And, like, is this, you know, is this suddenly, like, any other things we were thinking about developing? Now we've just got to work with this technology that they're developing, whatever it is. Yeah, you're going to be forced down the route of now making, like, Candy Crush instead of, like, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So. So, I don't know. But, yeah. What was the other one? Bloop. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's, no I, I was just going to finish on the uh, Netflix thing and just say, like, it, it's not 
it sounds like they're basically doing the kinds of games we thought at this point, nothing insane. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that they're competing with Xbox or, uh, you know, PlayStation at this point. But there's nothing to stop them from publishing games for other platforms either. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the other news story, which I don't know how much we have to say, but just that Sony acquired Bluepoint Games, who did the Demon's Soul remake, among other remakes. Yeah, which, I mean, their remakes have been really good. I, I, it's not a needle mover for me. I guess uh, I guess it'll, we'll see if they do their own IPs. I'm sure they will, but uh, it's a reasonable the- acquisition. It seems like they work together a lot. Now, in this, since we're talking Sony Universe, I do have to mention Blue Haze. And Sean, (laughs) you have new lights. You have a Sony light and an Xbox light behind you. Yeah, It's tough for me to tell the color. I'm assuming the Sony one is blue and the Xbox one is white. The Xbox one is white. I'm a little disappointed it wasn't green. I thought it might be green. But it's it's interesting because it's so appropriate because, because your poster, which is kind of blue as well, it's just taking over. Like the blue haze is dominating <laughs> the Xbox light to the point where everything just looks blue. It's perfect. <laughs> I was trying to think if there's a way I could like wire it so that as soon as Frank starts going on a PlayStation rant, I can like bump up the well, I can get the blue, blue haze light. here. Well, you've already got blue <laughs> haze <laughs> being activated uh, over there, but well, maybe I can't. Maybe well, I unplugged it. I think for my heating Uh-oh. blanket. What a disaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, just on the Bluepoint thing, they they did say, or I guess not, not as part of this announcement, but again, a separate sort of rumor that comes from a reliable source said that they are working on two projects right now, one being an original IP and the other being a remake of a beloved classic. But, I mean, I guess that's... You know, uh, you think that they acquire a studio like this because they've been successful with the remakes and they want to keep doing the remakes. But I think studios like this, eventually the people working there want to do original stuff. You don't want to just work on remakes forever. And uh, I think that's a natural evolution. I guess the question is, do they have the... If a studio has just been doing remakes for years and years, do they have the design talent to create original stuff right like uh, that's the one question i would have i would say probably yes or at least they could make a good attempt at it i mean everyone who gets into games doesn't get into games to port other people's games uh like you know i don't want to do this necessarily forever <laughs> kind of i thing, agree but-, but i do agree with the premise of sean's question like if you have not had to yeah. have to come up with original design ideas it's not as easy as you might think. So uh, I'm curious to see but what happens there as well. At the same time, you don't know what they've been working on behind the scenes. Like it's not, they're not necessarily only porting. They could be working on stuff behind the scenes already. They could have, you know, prototypes on the go, uh, fully fleshed out game ideas, game design docs. So they could still have all that stuff and it's just not public facing. Also, the one thing I wanted to add is, this was also kind of the worst kept secret. I don't know if you guys remember, but when the Sony acquired Housemark, uh, the I think I'm reading an article. It says uh, Stu- PlayStation Japan's Twitter accidentally tweeted out a picture that they had acquired Blueprint or Bluepoint. Yeah. So like they're <laughs> like, "Oops, yeah, that that perfectly mocked up image uh, was just a mistake." <laughs> it was you just accidentally put the wrong company logo in there. So it's been known. This is this happened like in early July. So it's been a while coming. We need yeah. Sony to acquire Game Junk as the official PlayStation <laughs> podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Do they we, have? They we must should have trademark an one. And we we definitely got to trademark Blue Haze, right? Like we got to get on that, John. <laughs> come on, as the biz biz dev guy. Uh, yeah, maybe Game we Junk, should trademark that, that. <laughs> for real. The Blue Haze podcast. Let's go like straight PlayStation. Let's well, let's get real let's here. <laughs> That's getting cut. <laughs> so why? Like we left the meat on the bone here. The only fun thing to talk about is what the beloved IP is that they're working on. 
What would you want yeah. it to be, and what do you think it is? Hmm. So it's, it's got to be a Sony property, right? You, you would have to be. I mean, I, there's three things I want it to be. Jack and Daxter one, Resistance Collection, but I feel like Insomniac would do that themselves. And maybe Kill Zone One. But I think well, it's I, I think it's uh, Jack and Daxter. I'm guessing the world thinks it's the first Uncharted game, or maybe the Last of Us first game. But uh, I think it's going to be Jack and Daxter. Hasn't there been rumors of SOCOM doing something with SOCOM? Would SOCOM work as a remake, though? Like, I didn't play it much. It's, like, very multiplayer-based, and I don't know if it's a beloved single-player game. Could be wrong. Twisted Metal, maybe? Well, There has been a lot of Twisted Metal rumors. Yeah, I was going to mention that because there there were some rumors, and then I think just in the past week, there was another, some other almost straight-up confirmation that Twisted Metal is happening, but I don't know if there's much other details. And they wouldn't do like Infamous because Sucker, Sucker Punch would probably do mm-hmm. that themselves. I th- you know, it's it probably is the lame answer to like one of Last of Us or Uncharted because like Blue Point is semi photorealistic most of their stuff and like really good lighting that I think those older games could benefit from and uh, I, that's what I would lean towards. But oh, uh, wait, hang on, it's obviously Knack. <laughs> it's already going we're going down the knack well it's time for a remake <laughs> well what about dark souls like has that been remade well no but it's not like demon souls was playstation exclusive okay dark souls wasn't so i doubt they would give that to blue point to make a an ex- it's yeah, possible it doesn't make sense then hmm. but yeah i don't know i'm like i'm doubtful I, I can't think of too many other big Sony franchises that need to make a comeback right now. We've kind of talked about most of them already. Patapon? Hmm? <laughs> I don't think that's really a, a Blue Point esque uh, port, but. I don't want. I don't care if it's a remake. I don't care if it's Blue Point. I want uh, folklore. It was a PlayStation 3 RPG, and it was pretty good. And I feel like it would be appreciated more now. It was a it was a decent game. But hmm. that's about it. All right, moving on. Yep. Getting into some junk mail? Sure. All right. So Matthew from Fort Worth. Hey guys, I was debating between these three games that should be my 200th plat. Alan Wake, Far Cry 6, or Fatal Frame, Maiden of Blackwater. But which one? Open to other games, but looking forward to these three coming out in October. So, I mean, I'm assuming they're at 199. I don't know how they're scheduling out these plats. It feels like you got a big window wasted right now. I mean... I have not played any more Kenna, but that feels like it would be a good one. I would say, I would say Far Cry Six would be maybe a little too hard to get in October. Uh, it's going to be a huge game. I think Fatal Frame, though I don't know much about it. Kind well, of Matthew's got two hundred plats. He he's gonna plat Far Cry. It comes. He's got <laughs> four. True. He's got three or four weeks. Like that is. Let's get that's real true. here. I I would say Fatal Frame though fits into the whole October Halloween aspect of it. Same with Alan Wake. But if you're looking to play the Alan Wake re- Alan Wake remaster that's supposedly coming out, maybe you want to wait. That's the one on Alan Wake. That's, yeah, there that's is no the other Alan Wake one. These are all week, games that are coming out in October. Oh. Oh, that's what it is? Okay. I get it now. I mean, that was my question is like, have you have you played Alan Wake before or are you replaying yeah. it? Like, if you haven't played it before, then I would say go for that. But um, otherwise, it's a toss-up. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it, like, for such a momentous 
occasion. I don't know. Do you want a platinum that's going to be a real challenge that, you know, you're really going to have to feel like you earned it? Or do you want to just coast through it and, and enjoy it? I don't know. It's a, an interesting it's a question. answer. <laughs> yeah. One I will never have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking I. at other October releases. I mean, it's tough. Like, Back for Blood is the game I'm most excited for, but... That you don't be, want to be that could be, be a locked tough into multiplayer. Platinum. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. bad news. Jet the Far Shore comes out this week. That's something I would have my eye on. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I mean Guardians of the Galaxy, I have a feeling it's gonna be a short game. That's October twenty sixth, but then you're waiting a long time to play a game. So I I'm leaning towards Jet the Far Shore. Have you heard anything about that? Are there any reviews out there? Nope. No, nothing. Other than what I've seen in 20 different showcases over the summer. (laughs) Yeah. It was in everything. Okay, next. Uh, Blake from Boston, longtime listener. Good guy. Uh, Hey, gay men. Frankie briefly washed over the topic of sounds emanating from controllers during your death proof discussion and made the controversial claim that speakers and controllers is a good thing. Well, I agree with Hideo Kojima coming to first coming to mind who implemented interesting uses of this noisy peripheral feature, i.e. Sony Walkman robot lady noises in metal gear solid five and hydrophobic crying tube baby and death stranding. Can you think of other games that use these controller speakers in unique and interesting ways? Blue Haze Away, Blake from Boston. I don't have like a one that blew my mind that comes to mind. I liked the the first one I thought of instinctively was I think Twilight Princess when if you did the bow and arrow and you would draw the the Wii moat back cuz like the flick would go right by your ear. And it would sound like you were releasing a bow or a, an arrow right by your ear, which I thought was really cool when the speaker was on there. Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that came to my mind was just that game and a few other Wii games. Because I think that was the first controller that had a speaker on it, right? I think so, too. And I mean, it, it hasn't really been used that much recently. I guess Sony has kind of stepped it up a little bit with the dual sense, it seems like. And obviously... Um, uh, Deathloop uses it a lot if you want it to, um, but yeah, I was I was just gonna say that I feel like Wii Sports uh, had some stuff. I could be wrong, but I thought it it used it a little bit. I'm, I'm doing a generic internet search. Let's see. I can't think of anything. The only thing I thought was I haven't played, but what about like Astro's Playroom or Play Rec Room or whatever it's called? Did that do anything? The new one. That was interesting. Yeah, they, they did some stuff, like nothing, like you know, mind blowing. But they they definitely had some sounds. Like they, I, I, I'm trying to think, I, the PS4 one, uh, when you like shoot the guy out of the controller to start the level, that was kind of cool, right? Like I think you could hear him inside the controller, and then you like flick the touchpad right. to shoot him out. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I have not That's played right. this game fully, and I think when I played it might not have been on PlayStation. But uh, Alien Isolation apparently is number one on this list. I do remember it being pretty... Any of the launch games on PlayStation 4 kind of had to use it, uh, and they were pretty good. I I just like it in general. I think it adds, like, just a polish level or, you know, it's... uh, It is a gimmick, but it's a gimmick I like. Yep. Sorry, not a great answer, but what are you going to do? Hello, Junkers. I'm currently wrapping up my first playthrough of Sekiro, and it's already one of my favorite games of all time. I happened to re-listen to your Best of 2019 podcast, and Frank only had it ranked fourth in what he said was one of the worst years of gaming. That is correct. Now I've heard Frank praise the game since, but I need an explanation of this travesty of a ranking before I lose all hope. Thanks, Bobby. Well, it's true. I was way off. I'm trying to think of what my other games... Let's see. So I probably had Fallen Order as number one. 
And that's all that's really jumping to mind right now. But I'm pretty sure Fallen Order was number one that year. And it's, in retrospect, clearly Sekiro. I don't know how much I'd played of Sekiro at the time. I did find that I wasn't crazy about the... Oh, first of all, I don't think I played more than an hour in 2019 is why it wasn't on my list. I think I started it in 2020. And I think the summer of 2020, I platinumed it. So I just kind of missed the boat on my first playthrough. And so it was number four on your list after having played an hour. So that's pretty good. Yeah, maybe that's not true either. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was just starting to get into it. Like, But I remember hating the... Uh, grappling mechanics like and the wall grab were really bad and I still think they're really bad I think that's the stuff they can improve in the second one but I didn't realize how inconsequential that would be to the overall game having played it for many more hours since then so uh, yeah I was just wrong it's a game that takes a large commitment to and you know you got to get good at it and fully understand it before you truly appreciate it that's definitely a problem with it, but I think we can all agree that no, control is a piece of garbage, and that came out that year, and it shouldn't <laughs> be on anyone's top. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to think of what would be ahead of yours. The only thing I think of is Resident Evil Two, and maybe Death Stranding. No, I, I didn't put that. I think Sayonara, Sayonara Wild, Wild Hearts. Hearts yeah. I think might have been my number three, but I don't know. It was so not a this, good year, though. Not a good year. I stand by that statement, too. <laughs> so this just reminds me of something, because you know how we were, we were talking a while back about letterboxed-type apps for games, and some people gave us some recommendations. I just wanted to mention, I signed up for the GG app. which That's what I'm on, too. Not the best uh, name, <laughs> but no. I'm actually liking it quite a bit. And I want some people to add, so uh, you know, let us know what you, what you are on this. I'm Dwyer D W I R E D. And have you even been able to figure out how to add people? Because uh, I a few people. Someone added me. I don't know how to find people. I'll see if I can find you. But I was just going to say, you can put lists on here too. So this would be a good place to put like our top ten lists and stuff, mm. and have easy access to them. Yeah. Maybe you have to do it on the app. I've been doing it on the website, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, to find other people. Okay. So next, from Yuri, uh, there's a link to a Kickstarter project about using your body as a game controller. I'm, I'm just kind of briefly glancing at it. It uh, Did it make its goal? Yes, it did, it looks like. And from what I can tell... It looks like it's an updated version or a different technology for doing the same type of thing Connect did. It looks like. Seems Just like it. Kind of taking your body mo- motions and translating it uh, onto models and games. It's designed for VR specifically, though, right? Okay. Looks like. Yeah, which I mean. I've seen there's other controllers, like treadmill controllers and stuff like that. It's. I don't know if just being able to lift your legs is all that interesting or adds an element to VR that isn't there already. I'm I'm sure there's a few one-off opportunities there for dance games probably is the only thing that comes to mind. But I don't know. My needle is not moving. I guess from the elegance of this is like its simplicity maybe. Do you have to put one on every limb? Like, yeah, put one on all four limbs, even your head potentially. I don't know how appealing that sounds. But yeah, I mean, so his question too was, is this exciting or quote unquote, let me be a couch potato, which is an interesting debate. I find like whenever I play VR, I do like games where I'm standing and I feel like I'm more engaged with the game. But, you know, to play like, you know, two or three hours like that after a while, you kind of get a sore back. You're just like, uh, I can't do this. (laughs) So... Uh, it's tough. You gotta step it up, bud. The only thing I can think (laughs) of is, like, if you have the sensors in your legs, then you could, in theory, kind of walk in place to mimic walking forward in a VR instead of using the sticks or whatever. But 
then you run into the whole motion sickness thing because maybe you're not actually like your brain is mm-hmm. seeing you move but knows it's not actually moving so i'm not sure how that will affect what is like this, now like i have to do the teleport isn't this kind know? of an extrapolation or that idea of what we uh ring fit does not we fit but ring fit adventure it's just like adding more wiimotes or uh joy cons on your legs and arms and kind of doing the same thing with hd rumble or their gyroscopes or whatever they do so i don't know uh I'm not saying there's not potential for body controllers uh, in the future, but part of me thinks we're just going to go potato. straight from couch potato to being able to the perceive matrix. thoughts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think anything in between yeah. will be clumsy and it's kind of the, uh, I would make an analogy to, the Palm Pilots and Steve Jobs saying, why would I use a stylus when I have five right here and stuff like that? Like, it just seems like a, an intermediate step that, or maybe I, I, I don't know. I think we're going to translate thought at some point. It's probably not for another 50 years, I would think, but uh, everything in the middle, I can't think of a good version of it at all. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, there could be a few cool, unique games that would use it, but uh, trying to think of using this in just like your standard, you know, first person shooter or action adventure game. I don't know if there's that many applications for it. I guess the only other thing I could think of would literally be if we were going to do it, it would have to be comfortable. Like I could see it being like a t shirt or pants like a, a, a jogging suit that you wear <laughs> that has that technology in it then i could possibly see that but it's the it's the actual motion thing that i think is the deal breaker like a, a treadmill controller and all that stuff I, I just i can't see that being done elegantly but i think the treadmill thing is being done i, I just i don't know how good it works I, I feel like that would work better than this for movement yeah, I agree. At least you can track how much you're actually moving and stuff. Feels kind of unsafe, though. I don't know. <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Sorry. Couch potato remains. <laughs> and then I think this is the last one, hmm. which was on our YouTube channel as a comment. Check out youtube.com forward slash game junk. And it's from Wacom. Lothric, is that correct? I think Joachim. Joachim? Okay, my bad. <laughs> well, Joachim, my, I apologize. Uh, game Junk question. With the announcements of several superhero games from many different companies and studios, are you worried games will end up the same way blockbuster movies has gone in the last decade? Are Disney, Marvel, DC, and superheroes in general taking over in the game space as well? I feel like we might have alluded to this before. I definitely think that's where everything's going. Everything is going to be licensed, um, which is kind of brutal. I, I, I think we're already there almost, except for the indie landscape. So I think that's where these two things are going to diverge. And I'm happy with that. I like indie companies coming up with their own ideas and doing cool things. I, I just, I don't think any company will take a risk on a new IP these days. Like it's really, I know Sony was getting flack for this, but they actually seem to be the only ones that are doing that like returnal and stuff like that. And I don't know the other like what's the new Xbox IP over the last who knows how long just the Bethesda ones I guess I mean yeah right, yeah with with the medium count I guess not right it would count as a failure and why people will not continue to, <laughs> and it's not exclusive either so oh right yeah well, it's interesting you mentioned the indie thing because even I think it's even permeating the indie space a bit. Like I'm thinking of like John Wick Hex, which was made by uh, Bithel Games, and I feel like there's a few other examples of smaller, like uh, the Mummy Demastered. Maybe that's not really indie, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is happening. I know we talked about this. At, there was that. I think last year there was like a span of like two weeks where I think there was a new James Bond game announced 
Indiana Jones and then like a couple Star Wars mm-hmm. games. And it just seemed like, yeah, this is, this is happening now. And th- because they've kind of figured out how to do licensed games that aren't terrible, that people are actually excited about. And the whole thing is just don't tie it to the movie release. Do like, you know, a, a separate thing with, with that IP. I guess it's and, worth saying established video game IPs are included in this landscape. Like, I think if yeah, it's a well-known video game IP, that's fine too. It's just anything new is going to be really tough to do. I haven't totally thought this out, but I my first inkling was the opposite of you guys. I I kind of think like the neat thing about the video game industry is that it seems like it kind of goes in waves where I feel like we're kind of reaching the point probably in like, like we're starting to come around back to the point we were at in like the peak of Unreal Engine days where like you needed a million dollars to license this engine to be able to make a game. And that was like the big impediment. So we only got games from studios that could license the Unreal Engine. Indies were not a thing. Basically, all the games that put out were only big money. That doesn't make them good. Uh, but And now we're kind of reaching another thing where like all of the big studios that can make these big giant games are getting bought out. Uh, they're they're uh, consolidating. They're going to run out of ideas. You can't just remake Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and and Uncharted all the time. I think you can. They're but... going to run out of ideas. <laughs> well, you can. I know. You can. But eventually, the nice thing is that the indies still are coming up with good ideas. Where I before, when we were in the game industry and, and we were at this peak of Unreal... There was no indies, and it was only until like uh, Braid and um, I don't know what are some of the other big indie games that came out around that time when Braid came through, Super Meat Boy, I guess, or and that kind of stuff. Those games started breaking through, and those were kind of like the fed up AAA guys that were like, "Screw this! I'm gonna go on spin, do something on my own." And I, I still think that's gonna eventually come back around, and then. You know, bigger studios will be able to take over those IPs or whatever. Like the smaller IPs will become big. That and, I think could happen. And then uh, the other thing is that with tech, the new tech that's coming out with like Unreal Engine Five and being able to make uh, humans look incredible with very little work, uh, all the like photogrammetry stuff that you can buy on like the unity and unreal marketplace. Now that is lowering the cost of like a quote unquote, like triple a game. So eventually the cost will come down. Like all the big studios are like, I couldn't possibly spend $500 million to make a non license IP, but that cost will come down as the technology catches up to the next gen consoles. And I think once that, once that cost gets down, we'll see new IP come out again. I think we're just at this phase now where, where the big companies are still trying to figure out the tech to make giant games, and they haven't yet. So they're sticking with what's safe and what will make their money back. And then once you know everyone ado- adopts all the new tech that makes it faster and easier to put out content, I think, uh, I think those, you'll start to see another swing back to original stuff that makes it interesting again. But yeah, I think the next couple of years are going to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think it, we're like, we're kind of already at this, you know, like when I look at, I, I think in the way they phrased the question, it was dominating the game space, which is not to say they're not going to make, you know, smaller games. But I mean, every game coming, the only new thing I can see, well, Deathloop was, so that's, I guess, not true. I don't know what New World's doing, if that's a big deal. Everything else is a sequel except for Back for Blood, which is a spiritual successor. So, like, it already dominates the game space, I guess. The question might be more about, like, is it going to be specifically movie-licensed stuff? And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think video game licenses are just as powerful, if not more so in the video game world. But I I think it's going to be like, like when's the last time Nintendo came up with a new IP? I guess it was Splatoon. Probably Splatoon. Yeah. So they've really, 
not ventured from stuff that they is, is already popular. And I don't know. I can't see a lot of companies doing that. I I hope I'm wrong. I, I am sick of sequels and the same stuff over and over again. So I do think people are like within games. I think gamers are still at least willing to entertain new IPs from developers that they are a fan of, right? Like Bethesda announces Starfield or whatever. Mm -hmm. People are excited. So I, I don't know that we'll ever, I mean, maybe we will, but I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where people are ignoring that and not buying those games because all they want is like a new Star Wars game. That's true, but, but excitement can be a dangerous thing too uh, to the point of, is it worth the risk? Like Cyberpunk would be the recent example of that where because they like that developer, it's assumed it's going to be amazing when it isn't. So uh, I don't know. I, I think it probably sold well. I don't think it's like a deal breaker, but unless people are in love with the world and stuff like that, I just, I don't think the big money is going to take the risk, but I really like Huck's point about the money will not be as big but but I think new IP is going to probably start in like the what used to be the double A landscape where it's like okay let's make a shorter game with new ideas and if people like it then it becomes a bigger thing probably something similar uh, to what's happening with um, Hellblade or those types of games so it's it's all about where it starts as a test I, I as do a test hope thing. I do hope we see a resurgence of like that double A space yeah. shorter experiences tighter but. Like still borderline AAA, but obviously not. And, and Kenna, I think, would fall into that category too. Where it's yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, that's it for the junk mail. Thanks for sending it in. You can uh, send these are really good ones. Send more into uh, Game Junk Podcast at gmail dot com on our Discord, which is in the YouTube show notes on YouTube dot com forward slash Game Junk, or uh, hit up Game Junk Podcast on Twitter. Do you guys check that? Yep. Sean does. Okay, cool. Thanks, Sean. You're the best. Uh, and I guess it's time for what we played. I really don't have anything. I've been playing Fortnite a bit uh, with friends. I kind of like Fortnite. It's not great, but it's fun to play with friends. Well, maybe we can... Should we mention something else we played, or is that uh, top secret? Yeah, sorry, we should. Absolutely. Okay, I'll play. Well, we, pl uh, we played Predator Hunting Grounds, which is, I think, a PlayStation Plus game until Tuesday. Monday's the last day. I think so. And it's like a multiplayer asymmetrical design where people play as a Predator versus mercenaries. And it was okay. We'll, we'll be putting it on a game or a film junk Let's Play on our Patreon. At, what uh, filmjunk.com for what patreon <laughs> how dare you guys you're cheating on game junk yeah <laughs> i can't believe you guys <laughs> and unbelievable it was better than i thought it would be i don't know if i could play it sustainably for a long time but playing as the predator i thought was really good almost to the point where i kind of wish it was just a predator campaign or a game with those predator controls because uh that was fun the mercenary stuff was kind of generic but not that bad we played with bots too, which was a little weird and took a while to get the sense of what a match was like, but it was good. Yeah, definitely fun for, you know, playing for an hour or whatever we did. I, yeah, I don't know about the depth of the game, but uh, I, I do hear that it's a problem when you start going online and playing with other people. It's just everybody wants to be the predator. So it's kind of like, you know, you just sit there waiting until you can find four other people who don't want to be predator. But it sounds yeah. like exactly what I would think would happen based on my experience. <laughs> the Predator is a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, did you did you finish Kenna or no? No, I haven't played okay. it at all. I've okay. dropped the ball. I've just games. I don't know what it is. I it's embarrassing. I can't get into it, them lately. Metroid this week. That's all you need I know. to know, right? Uh, okay, I'll quickly mention. Deathloop, I've played a little bit more of it again, and I kind of hit a point where, I don't know, I just got a little bit frustrated with it because I, I was enjoying it. I, I kind of, like I said, I got past, I guess, what the, the full tutorial would be, and I understand sort of how you can 
keep weapons and abilities through the loops and uh and i'm kind of into like what the main thrust of the game is which is trying to beat all these different visionaries but uh you know i kind of hit a point where i just like was dying a lot and you know you can die three times before you get sent to the start of the day essentially and that is frustrating it feels a little bit like there is a bit of roguelike in there i feel like because I guess, you know, you can optionally try and go into other levels and, and try to just kill enemies and power yourself up with some things to take with you to what you're trying to do. If you keep dying, that's one way to get past that. But that doesn't appeal to me that much. Like, I'd rather just go and try to do the thing I'm supposed to do next. Um, but And also the slabs, is that what they're called? Those things you can if you kill the same visionary multiple times, you can level those up, which I was kind of like, ugh, now there's another system and another thing that I'm going to feel like I got to repeat over and over again to get better. So anyway, I mean, I kind of took a break from that and started playing Sable, which I'll talk about in a sec, but I'll, I'll throw it over to Huck if you have something sure. to talk about. Uh, well, I finished Night in the Woods. Uh, really enjoyed it. I one One commenter was saying like this game really hit them hard and they loved it. And I don't know if I had the same experience. Um, there was definitely like some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like disturbing, I guess, uh, aspects to, uh, the relationships that of the, of the people you are talking to. So I can see how, you know, someone had a similar or, you know, a relationship close to them that was similar. Uh, it could be really, uh, emotionally effective, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Um, it sort of ended at a weird point in the story. I don't know. It, it kind of just <laughs> kind of plateaued in a really weird way. And then it was kind of over shortly after. Uh, but I liked it a lot. And, uh, quickly I tried paper Mario and the origami King, which is the newest P paper Mario game. And once again, paper Mario, uh, forgets that people like to be able to quickly skip through dialogue. Uh, <laughs> this game loves to force you to see every single letter as it appears on the screen, uh, even though I can read faster than the letters are appearing, and I just want to go faster. Uh, that part's super frustrating. The game itself was okay. Uh, I, I don't think I'll go back to it. Uh, I got it out of the old library, luckily, and uh, they had an interesting battle mechanic where it wasn't just a like a turn-based battle. They have this sort of like ring system where the enemies come in like groups of four usually, and they're either kind of lined up in a straight line or in a group, and you have a different weapon that can take care of a line of enemies or a group of enemies. And it sounds a bit like the South Park sequel. Uh, yes. In that regard, the twist on that is that, um, instead of having like a, a two by two grid, uh, that, like in the South Park game, you have this like uh, circle, and each and the circles have rings. Okay. So there's like four rings around the circle, and the guys are placed on them in. I wouldn't say random, but they're kind of like scattered, and you get a certain number of. You get to move the rings. You get to like rotate the rings to try to line them up properly. So you get a certain number of ring turns and then a certain number of attacks. And so far, what I played at the first hour or so, it's all very, very straightforward. There's no real like tactical thinking that needs to be done. It's literally like this guy was shifted two to the right, and it's super obvious. Just shift him back, and then he's, they're all in line kind of thing. So um, I didn't really find that part that compelling. There was some like overworld puzzle mechanics where you take these like pieces of paper uh confetti type stuff and you fill in holes in the world and i guess like divine confetti <laughs> yeah you can you can hit trees you can hit trees with your with a hammer and then confetti comes out of it and then you could collect it in a bag it's very it's weird. exciting that's one of my first memories of you andrew what you were playing pl mario you're playing paper mario it's like on nights really yeah, oh, yeah on your on your lunch nice i think on the wii it might have been gamecube <laughs> or wii i can't remember but I, I don't know. I remember you Maybe, playing yeah. a Paper Mario game. <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead, guys. Anything else? I got one more quick thing. But Yeah, well, just on the Paper Mario thing. Like I, I played probably like halfway through that game, put a lot of... Oh. Well, not a lot, but 
I guess a lot for me, like maybe 15, 20 hours into it. It just got too long. But I, the one thing you were talking about the dialogue and stuff, like I actually do kind of like the dialogue in those games. Like I find they're kind of humorous and, you know, not amazing, but like with both those and the Mario and Luigi games, I generally don't mind reading some of that stuff. Although it, it is definitely long-winded at times, but... I would say yeah. Nintendo is underrated for... I know I said with Skyward Sword, they're underrated for cinematics being effective and funny for what they are and the camera work. Uh, and they're also underrated as video game writing. It's very simple and funny, but like at a PG level, which is tough to do. Yeah. But I we see. also have to put this in the perspective that Sean thought Free Guy was funny, so... <laughs> I didn't say that. I said I thought it was know, clever. And, Relax, uh, bud. Ryan Reynolds we'll isn't coming we'll for you. It. Chill out. <laughs> um, okay, so I, uh, you didn't have anything else, Frank? No. I guess I played Toem for like 30 minutes, but not enough that I... I liked it, but not enough to say anything definitive. Okay. So, yeah, I've been playing Sable, and, uh, you know, I had played the demo a while back and enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to this and then uh, playing it now, I am still enjoying it, but I definitely get a better sense of what the full game is. Like, I mean, I'd say I've probably put three or four hours into it now and it is, I love the world. I love the look of it. Like this is my, if, if we did the junkies for, for game junk, this would be up for feast for thine eyes award for sure. Uh, but it's a very big world with not a lot of stuff in it. Like it's very sparse. So you're doing a lot of just driving your glider across vast expanses, which, you know, like, I think that's part of the, the tone of the game, like, is just that, you know, it's kind of quiet and um, relaxing and you're just kind of out exploring. And I kind of like that. But at the same time, when you have, you know, an objective, something specific you're trying to do and you see on the map where you got to go and it's just like, okay, drive for a straight line for like 10 minutes and there's nothing along the way. Like, yeah, it's a bit of a problem, but you know, once you get to places you can fast travel back and forth. So that helps. Um, but you know, it is kind of Zelda ish. Like it definitely reminds me of breath of the wild, but the one thing that does feel like it's missing is there really is no combat. And, I wasn't sure if that was something that they were going to add eventually in the game, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, so it's really just a lot of climbing and trying to figure out how to get to places. And um, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, it's just a lot of exploration, which I like, but, you know, it just there it feels like there's a little bit of something missing. But other than that, like, I just I like the the look and feel of it a lot. So I'm enjoying it. We'll keep playing it. Uh, for me, the last thing I played was more of uh, Persona 5 Royal, which I'm still really enjoying. Uh, I beat the first dungeon, and I, I believe they did dungeons similar in Persona 4, but basically you go into a dungeon and you basically have like 14 days or something to actually complete the dungeon, and along the dungeon you can get to safe rooms, which are essentially your save spots, but they also act as... Um, uh, fast travel points. So whenever you get to one of these, you can either return to the exit to sort of leave the dungeon completely, or you can go to one of the other rooms to lo look for any treasures you may have missed. Uh, but I really like it, and the way you can sort of, like, explore, and then in a typical dungeon uh, in, like, a Final Fantasy game, if you run out of something you're either screwed or you have to like use an escape and then start from the very beginning again. And I like this method more where the dungeon is actually longer and too difficult to really take on in one go. And so you need to leave, uh, collect money, go upgrade your weapons, maybe buy some, uh, use that money that you gained from the dungeon to buy some items to make it easier. But I do like this idea of, of having it take longer. The, the, there is a bit of stress aspect to it, though, where you don't know how long the dungeon is, and you only have 14 days, and you have other things you're trying to accomplish also in these 14 days. And so it it does play on you where, like, oh, should I go in now? I don't know if I have enough money to buy this equipment uh, sort of thing. Like, should I wait and, you know, maybe do my part-time job to get more money to then be able to buy more stuff so there is this like stress that exists and i remember this in persona 4 
but I, rem- I I feel like it's a little uh, easier to tell. The safe rooms kind of give you an idea of roughly how far through the dungeon you are. You know, you have a little character that would be like, oh, I think we're about halfway through or whatever. So you can kind of judge it a little bit. But uh, for the first dungeon, you get to the end, and then it turns out that you actually need to do one more thing, which takes one more day. So if I had waited right till the end to do that, I would have got screwed, which I didn't know about. So um, that part, I was glad I had done it early, but I could see people maybe getting frustrated if they had waited right to the end, thinking like, oh, I'm right beside the final boss. I'll just kind of wait till my last day and then go in. And you would have not been able to do it. So um, that part probably could have been designed a little better or telegraphed a little better that you would need to do that uh, in order to like limit your frustration. But overall, I like I like this idea of the lar- larger dungeon that you have to kind of come back to, and it's not randomly generated like in Persona Four. So there it there is continuity when you come back, which is nice. And um, yeah, still really liking it. Like all the characters, still love the UI. Um, Really like really like this game actually, so that's it for me. Cool. All right. Anyone else have anything? I think that's it. No. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out youtube.com forward slash game junk. Andrew is on Twitter at mindgree commute and equilibrium sis. Sean is at film junk, and probably some serious Metroid Dread talk next week since comes out on friday we record on sundays now i anticipate i will have completed the game but who knows <laughs> who knows oh, but uh until then we'll see you i may, i may even have to pick this one up so Ooh. watch out couldn't get it at the library already on reserve oh i have it already on reserve but <laughs> i might i might have to just give nintendo their payola on this one nice All right, well, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.